One of my favorite things uh, that we do is have our kids come up here just like we did a few minutes ago and have them prayed for before Sunday class. Like this was from last Sunday. This was last Sunday. And that big kid in the middle is really cute, especially. <laughs> uh, but you can't have great kids without great moms and dads uh, who are called to be invested in a community and along with the people of God standing with them, they are charged by God to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And since today is Father's Day, something I don't typically do, I thought we would talk about fathers. And I think it's an appropriate thing. Fathers have always been important and critical. I feel especially that they're critical in this day. In fact, I'm praying that God will raise up fatherhood in our society, and our culture again. It needs that. Novelist Michael Chabon wrote this. He said, fatherhood is an obligation that is more than your money, your body, or your time. A presence neither physical nor measurable by clocks, open-ended, eternal, and invisible, like the commitment of gravity to the stars. Fathers matter. Matter more than society will admit. They matter more than we ourselves oftentimes remember. A father is an essential presence in the life of a child. And without them, things just start to unravel. Like, far, like, like stars falling out of the sky. Numerous studies have been made about fatherhood, especially in the last generation or two, and they show that fathers have the ability to have powerful impact and effect on their children. Fathers who are present, who are active, who are involved. Involved fathers are linked to better outcomes in nearly every measurable uh, metric with respect, with respect to child well-being. Everything from cognitive development to educational pursuits, um, to self-esteem, to, to pro-social behavior. Children who grow up with involved fathers are shown to be more effective in handling stress as they grow older. They're 39% more likely to earn mostly A's when they're in school. They are 60% less likely to drop out of school. They are 75% less likely to have a teen birth. They are 80% less likely to spend time in jail. Fathers matter. One study shows that kids who have regular playtime, my dad used to call it roughhousing. Kids who have regular playtime with their fathers have a far greater chance of developing skills such as self-control and problem-solving and self-regulation. Of course, moms are very, very important too. Very important. They're specially equipped for things like nurture and care and compassion and stability. Um, but dads, dads, they have a unique skill set. They have a unique skill set that is necessary for raising healthy kids. God intended that a man would be a father in the house and a woman would be the mother in a house. And that is his design. 
And your kids are better off when that is happening in your home. A father's strength, it helps his kids feel safe. A father's words, they can feel confidence and courage in your children. They can also be deflating and demoralizing. A father's physicality is important and it's challenging, especially to young boys. They need to see their dad able and capable and strong and willing to wrestle through things and be strong in things. A father's guidance is life-changing and his correction is life-saving. And quite frankly, the most important thing he could ever do is be present with his children. His presence and his time, they're life-giving. Fathers matter. And the most incredible thing about being a father is that we have, as Pete has already said, the opportunity to reflect the fatherhood of God. He is a father to us. He is not a far-off deity who is pulling levers behind some curtain somewhere. He is father. He is our father who art in heaven. And while an earthly father helps source the genetic makeup, God our father is the source of all life. He is the one that began it all. He gives us, as a father, everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. He is a father who protects us, who is a shield about us, who is a foundation upon which we can build our lives. He is a father who is a solid rock when everything else around us is sinking. He is a father who knows how to be a present help in our times of trouble. He's a father who disciplines us but never out of anger, always out of love. And he desires as our father to be close to us, to be close. He's a relational God. He wants to know us. He wants us to know him. He cares about us and he cares for us. And as earthly fathers, the highest calling that we have is to give our children and grandchildren a picture of God our Father, who is truly the good Father. It's the highest calling of any man who is, who is honored to have children, or even those that are called to be spiritual fathers to spiritual children, is to always point them to the Heavenly Father. But we have a problem, don't we, in our world? Ideally, this should be working so well, we wouldn't have the problems we have in our society. We wouldn't have the problems with mass shootings or with uh, juvenile delinquency or with depression or with anxiety among our kids. We wouldn't have the drug issues out there. We wouldn't have the crime problems. If we had fathers, we wouldn't have these problems. And it's because we live in a broken world, a world that is broken by sin, it's a disease that infects our whole society. When mankind thinks they can solve a problem apart from God, they are ignoring the fact that sin has corrupted us and we can't do it apart from him. 
And so this sin that has infected us, it has broken us and it has broken families and it has broken fathers throughout history. There are a lot of people that have received wounds from their father, deep heart wounds, wounds that can sometimes be very deep. And none of us, no, not one, is there a father that is righteous all the time. Even worse, there are many, even some here, that have no fathers. His father wasn't there. Or their father was absent even though they were there, which may be worse. Or their experience with their dad has left them fearful and broken instead of confident and whole. And this type of trauma, it it leaves a person scared to even come close to God because they were always scared to approach their own dad. It can hinder a person's understanding of who God is and his faithfulness and his love because their dad left home saying they love someone else or something else. They might even struggle to see God as a solid rock, a firm foundation, especially if their dad was so shaky in everything he did or if their dad was abusive. It could be hard to hide under the shadow of God's wing. And all of it shows us something that's very, very sad and devastating. And that is that when the very thing God has given to us to reflect his love, faithfulness, and mercy becomes the very thing that keeps people from drawing close to God. It results in a lot of people being hurt. They have trust issues. They have damaged hearts, they have father wounds that continue to bide. Time does not heal all wounds. They, they learn to manage it. They learn to push it down. But deep in their soul, there is something calling out for a father to say, well done. Here's the thing. Though time cannot heal such wounds, Jesus can. In fact, it makes sense because Jesus is the one who came to show us the Father, the true Father, a Father like, not like any other one you've ever met. A Father who isn't mad, who isn't abusive, who isn't punitive, who isn't ready to snap. He's waiting to shower us with his love and his mercy, and his grace. And over and over again in scripture, we see it. We see God depicted as such, so much so that it's without question when you read the Bible as to who God is. My favorite is the the story that Jesus told, the parable of the prodigal son. We've turned there to Luke 15, verse 17. This son, of course, demands his inheritance, which is something that was totally inappropriate to do because his dad was still alive. And you don't get an inheritance until the one who you're inheriting it from is no longer with you. But he demands, I want my inheritance, which is basically like saying to his dad, your money's more important to me than you are. He wanted it. By the way, This father couldn't just go to the bank or take out a loan or pull something out of his stock market. 
He had to sell property to give that inheritance to the son. He had to sell possessions, which would have brought shame upon him and his whole family among all those that lived around him. They would have all known that this boy has brought shame upon his father. But the father did it. He willingly gives this inheritance to this scoundrel of a son. Surprisingly, probably, but it shows the heart of the father, our father in heaven. And so what does the boy do? Well, he, he takes his inheritance, he takes all the loot, and he goes to a far country and he blows it all on wild living. And he finds himself, after wasting it all and living high and partying, he finds himself in a pig pen feeding pigs he's been hired to do and being jealous of them. <laughs> it's a sad state for you to be in. Look at verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you or against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. There's so much that stands out to me in this story. It's such a famous, popular story. I didn't have to tell you about what happened. You've probably already heard. But we always look at this story through the lens of the son. Think about the power of the father. Maybe the most poignant thing to me in this story is when the prodigal son says, uh, and it says of him, and he came to himself. Right there in verse 17. Well, the NIV says, and he came to his senses. <laughs> While some of them some of the people here may be able to relate to that lost older brother who stayed at home. I fully relate to this young punk who left. I've been where he is. I have an amazing dad. Um, you may know him. He's right over there. He'll tell you he's not perfect. But he's always been to me a vivid representation of the Heavenly Father. And he stood with me and has stood with me through some really, really dark days. In the darkest day that I ever lived in, I felt like I was standing in the middle of a pigsty and he was there waiting for me to come home. And when in God's mercy, I finally came to my senses and it takes God's mercy to come to the end of ourselves, in that moment, I found myself saying what the prodigal said. 
I will arise and go to my father. And both my dad and my heavenly father were standing there waiting for me. As poignant as that moment for this boy is, maybe the most beautiful thing that we see is the way the father sees him on the horizon and starts running towards him as soon as he comes into view. He's not angry. He's not standoffish. He's not dismissive. He's not saying things like, well, look who's coming back with his tail between his legs. Serves him right. Learn something. He didn't say any of those things. Those are things that I all would have, I would have probably said, I'm angry with you. We'll talk about it. I would have dismissed, I would have done all sorts, of, I would have said, you screwed up. None of that needed to be said. That's not what the father said. All of us in our sense of justice think it should have been said. The father not only did this in such a powerful way, he embarrassed himself by running to his son, something that an older gentleman in, 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 in Palestine, in, Judaism, in Jewish days would not do. They didn't run anywhere to anyone, especially not a boy who had embarrassed him and his family. And yet, that's what he does. As soon as he sees his coming, he... he he jumps up and he pulls up his robes and he starts running full speed towards his son and he embraces him and he kisses him. And soon this young boy will have a new ring on his finger and a new robe on his back and new shoes on his feet and a party to celebrate his return. What kind of father is this? You've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating that most think people think that the word prodigal means rebellious or lost. But it actually means extravagantly wasteful or reckless spending or giving on a ridiculously lavish scale. And so while it's commonly held that the scoundrel of a son is the prodigal because he had reckless living, it's true, maybe more true, that the father is the prodigal, for he has lavished upon his son unmerited favor, undeserved forgiveness, extravagant grace, reckless love. We need to understand that whether we took off to a far country or whether we stayed home in our pride, our father is lavish. He is extravagant. He is reckless in his love for us. And whether we have had a good earthly father or not, God our Father is good beyond measure. He is compassionate and merciful. He is slow to get angry. And he is filled with unfailing, steadfast, covenant love towards us. The more we become aware of his true fatherhood, the more we are healed and whatever it is that broke us in fatherhood, whether we were the victims of it or whether we've been the ones who have victimized others in it, his fatherhood is what heals all of that. It's why the apostle Paul would say to the Romans in Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received 
the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Thank you, Father, for making us your children. We are no longer enemies to God, which we were in our sin. When we have come into his presence, he makes a way for us to not only be saved, not only be purified, not only be sanctified, but to be his. There is nothing better that I enjoy as a grandfather of 13. I know it's crazy, isn't it? It started when I was 13 years old. 13 grandchildren. I come in, I haven't seen some of them this morning. And they see me and what they say and what they indicate to me is nothing but full confidence that I'm a good papa. Rooney, little Rooney comes running to me, papa, papa, papa. And that's what we are called to do with our father who is in heaven. He means us good and he is fully able to keep his promises to us. I know fathers have hurt us. I know that we have done damage by being fathers to others in not a good way. But he is the father that can heal all of that. Thank you, God, for being not only a father of compassion, but a God of all comfort, because we desperately need both. And thank you, God, for protecting us and providing for us and promising to complete in us everything you started. You're true to your word. And thank you, God, for your discipline. Yes, your discipline. Because the Bible makes clear he disciplines those he loves. But his discipline is never shaming or condemning or alienating. Or he never withdraws from us in the midst of it. He is there with us, always working in us to make us pleasing and acceptable in his sight. Thank you, Lord healing us from our father wounds people sitting here today that have been hurt thank you for touching that deep place where we've carried it and it hurts so bad we don't want anybody to touch it we know that fathers none of them are perfect we know that none of them could be you or replace you but we know that you can also restore us to a father you can heal our father wounds, and you can make connections that will bring a new course for our whole family. And finally, thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our shortcomings as fathers, for not being the father we hoped we would be. You heal that too. Continue to heal our relationship with our kids, turning their hearts to their father and turning our hearts towards them. And let us walk in faith, in confidence that you as our good father will help us father our own children and our own grandchildren and even our own spiritual children that God would give to us. My challenge to you today, if you're a father, is ask the Lord where you can submit to him and improve. 
I think it's a good day for an examination. Where is it that he would call you to a different way, a different path? I listened to Justin talk today about if you want a new result, you can't use the same inputs. You can't keep putting the same inputs in and expect to get a different result out. So if the Lord has shown you something that you need to improve, my encouragement to you is to get with someone who you can be accountable with. Ask the Lord to give you new inputs so that what comes out of you will be a new result. And fathers, let us spend time with our kids. You could just start that and that would be an improvement. Just spend intentional time, be present, be with them, cheer them on, celebrate them as much as you can. Discipline them, yes, but in love, not in anger. And be always committed to stand with them no matter what. May God give us his heart to be good fathers. Amen. My wife's going to come and we're going to pray for you. We're going to spend just a few moments and let her share what she has on her heart. And then we'll pray for you and have a time of ministry. Go ahead. Chris was saying at the beginning that the devil distracts, disturbs, and destroys. And I was struck with those because they are in antithesis to the Father who creates and revives, renews, rebuilds, redeems, restores, relates, and rejoices. Wow. That's good. I was prompted to look at a a passage of scripture in Revelation 3 um, when Chris was asking us questions about whether you've had a great father experience or you've struggled as a father um, or you've struggled because of a father. Um, And he asked us to do moral inventory on where we stand in the fatherhood of God. So if you realize that you are wretched or pitiful or poor or blind or naked or just plain inadequate, I counsel you to buy from me gold, which is faith made genuine, and white clothes to wear, my righteousness, not your efforts, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see through my healing perspective how you've come to be, where and who you are. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and go ahead and repent. Because here I am, I stand at the door and knock, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We will be family. To the one who is victorious through me, I will give them the right to sit down with me as I have sat down with my father. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. I love what she shares. Don't you? Can we pray for you? Would you join us? Father, your name says it all. 
that we can come to you and call you Father is because you are a Father. And you have called all of us into being and have engaged in personal relationship with each of us to teach us what Father really means, to give us opportunities to buy from you faith and righteousness and perspective, and to buy without money and with the cost that you paid through your son. Yes, Lord. We bow our knees today yes, we do. before the Father that has fathered everything, yes. the creator of everything. Yes. You see us. You know everything about us, where we've come from, where we're going, and what we did last night. You see us for who we really and truly are. Yes. And you see us with love and with compassion. And Jesus. you discipline us in love and compassion. Yes. I pray, Father, that you would speak to each heart, that we would do business with you, because that's the only place things get fixed. It's what Grace said today. The answer to everything we think and feel and do and know and experience is still you. And so we receive your perspective. We receive your words of correction and rebuke, your discipline. We receive your love. I ask that you would bring us to obedience, Father, in your grace. Lord, we approach you not as one who is far off, but one who's invited us near. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, you promise. And so, Lord, these things can be very hurtful and painful for us, where we've been injured in this life by people that should have known better and done better. Maybe we've injured others, Lord, and we feel the shame and guilt of that. Maybe we've had a decent father, but we ourselves have not drawn close to you, our Heavenly Father. Wherever it is that we are today, your word is still true that if we draw near, you will draw near to us. And it's in your presence where we find fullness of joy, life forevermore. It's in your presence where we find freedom and deliverance and healing and wholeness. It's where we find what we need that pertains to how to live life and how to walk with you in godliness. And so I pray for everyone that's listening here in this place. May your Holy Spirit come right now as you have been already and move among us, Lord. Touch hearts, bind up broken places in their hearts. Set captives free, Lord, in Jesus' name. May spirits that have held them because of the wound of a father be cast out in Jesus' name. May freedom come to their heart. May they feel the wholeness of God not only come over them, but come into them and change and alter the way they see it the way they can believe you for it, the way they can walk out of it. Lord, I pray that you'd open blind eyes, 
that you would, you would mend hearts that are frail, that you cause the lame to walk. We ask these things, Lord, so that we can be useful in your hand, that we can respond to you as our Father, and that we can be good fathers and be a people of fatherhood that makes a, a difference in our community and the world around us. Thank you, Lord, for sending your spirit to minister. Continue to do so, Lord, even now as we sing. In Jesus' name, let's stand together.